It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. And Lisa Brady. The countdown to the midterm elections has been punctuated so far by high inflation and the tug of war over the causes. President Biden acknowledging high prices are hurting families, but still mainly blaming Russia's president, while countering Republican claims that his own policies are to blame and claiming historic progress for the U.S. economy. So we spoke with Fox's Dana Perino, co-host of America's Newsroom and The Five on Fox News Channel, also the Everything Will Be Okay podcast, about the many challenges facing the Biden White House and the bipartisan work in the U.S. Senate on a gun violence bill, including enhanced background checks for gun buyers under age 21 and help for states on red flag laws, mental health and school safety. We made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. So thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here's Dana Perino on the Fox News Rundown Extra. First, I want to start with the multiple crises that Mm -hmm. this White House is facing. Um, The president's critics point to this and say they're all his fault, right? Um, The White House does acknowledge that inflation is a real problem. Should they be admitting at this point that other things are not going well also? Well, at some point, I consider this the square peg round hole communication strategy at the White House. Um, What they've been trying to do for months is not working. Uh, I think people are very attuned to everything that is happening because it is happening directly to them every day. They are faced with the pressures of inflation. And we haven't had inflation like this in decades. The president is setting records all over the place. And at first they said it would just be temporary. Then they said, well, it's just because of Putin. Well, now it's pretty clear that the American rescue plan that the president passed was one of his biggest priorities and that the Democrats passed on a party line vote absolutely fueled inflation. And the White House doesn't seem to have any other way to deal with it except for to say we are planning to. Well, actually, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be kind here. And frankly, I do try to find like a silver lining. I can't find one here. I don't know what they are doing. The president will explain inflation to you. Okay, we get that. We know what happens. It's too much money chasing too few goods. And the American Rescue Plan fueled that. Now, they will say, well, we have the lowest um, unemployment rate. Well, yeah, but that you have no private sector plan. So there's no growth. Plus, there's inflation. So you have stagflation. So I, I do, yes, of course, think that they need to change course. I get no indication that they plan to do that. Um, Now, you start to hear it when you talk about the critics. You're starting to hear it from inside the House, Mm -hmm. meaning inside the Democratic caucus. There's been whisper campaigns to papers like the New York Times, for example. Very critical of the president, but also suggesting he should not run again in 2024. Now, that is not a vote of confidence. That means that things are going so poorly that they want to get a jump on 2024 to try to find somebody else to run. For someone working in the White House right now, I mean, how worried should they be about the president running or not running? I think, look, when you go to work at a White House, you know that at any any moment, if the president doesn't want you around, you're out. 
there's no going to HR and working through the union. You are serving at the will of the president. So when you go to work at the White House, I don't think you necessarily work so much about working there for an extended period of time. You know you have a limited time. And I think that they're pretty clear that they will lose the House in the fall, and they could very well lose the Senate. Bernie Sanders, in the debate with Lindsey Graham that Brett Baer hosted the other day um, on Fox Nation, basically said that to all the Democrats. Like, Don't think that you can just do nothing and end up without a bloodbath in November. So he's concerned. And if you are a, a staffer that's concerned that the, your White House days might be numbered, I'd go ahead and get on LinkedIn today. <laughs> Isn't it true, though, that the um, that presidents in general tend to get blamed for things that they can't control sure. and they also get to claim credit when things are going sure. well, right? Well, absolutely. So, for example, if you try to say as president, I created so many jobs. Well, actually, you didn't create the jobs. The private sector created the jobs. But did you create the atmosphere that made the environment pro-growth enough that jobs were created? You could probably claim that. Um, If, for example, you're going to say, look at the stock market on my watch. Wow, has it gone up? Well, when it goes down, then you have to own that as well. But that's typical. That happens. People want to brag about things that are going well, and they don't ever want to take the blame for things that are not. Does it benefit the president right now to essentially stick to the script because while he does keep blaming things on quote unquote Putin's price hike um, it's true at this point that the war in Ukraine is certainly having an impact globally on fuel prices on food prices so is it a case of if the president just keeps you know saying this it'll kind of take root with voters and help in some way I would think that would work Except for that they've been doing that for several months and it's not working. The inflation rate went up. It was it was even went up ahead of expectations. So that's not working. People know that the war is having some sort of impact, but they also don't hear anything following that, which is, therefore, we are going to what? Right. He's going to go to Saudi Arabia. He's going to try to work on relationships there. I don't know if he can really improve gas prices by going there. But you do have to wonder as an American people, why aren't we trying to find our own oil and gas here in America? Why are we asking the Saudis to do that for us? A lot of the things they're doing just don't pass the common sense test. And when you start to get the um, I word, incompetence, and if you look at Afghanistan, the baby formula crisis, that one to me is such a dismal failure of government and of this administration. And to think that no one told President Biden it was happening until April. Mm-hmm. That is an outrage. And American families scrambling around wondering if their children will have enough to eat in regards to baby formula, that is a huge deal. Uh, there's a couple of things that they should do to try to get ahead of. One is the coming food crisis. It's not only going to be increased prices here in America, but you could see real actual food shortages in really important places, uh, strategically, geopolitically, uh, where people could end up starving. And what happens when people are hungry? When There's uprisings, and then there's more instability. And one of the things terrorists like to do is find those pockets of instability so that they can exploit it and find recruits. So there there are multiple crises, but he's not the first president to have this problem. The presidency is a decision making experience. And one of the things President George W. Bush wrote about in his book was that 
Self-pity is a terrible characteristic in a leader. President Biden is complaining about his, pre, his predecessor, complaining about the Republicans, complaining about the MAGA Republicans, complaining about the press, complaining about the oil companies, complaining about the food companies, complaining about the baby formula companies. Where is the leadership? And if you don't love making decisions and being decisive, it can make for a pretty miserable experience for yourself. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. What a time to become the new White House press secretary for Mm -hmm. Karine Jean-Pierre. She's an historic choice for the position, but it's still the same job and it's always a tough one. And especially when there are times of crisis, Um, you know, as someone who's done the job, I mean, how do you think she's doing so far? Well, I have tremendous respect for the office of the press secretary and I take the job very seriously and I took it joyously. And I am glad to be friendly with uh, the press secretaries that came after me and the ones before me, especially my good friend Marlon Fitzwater, who worked for President Reagan and George H.W. Bush. I would say, however, I do not think Corinne had enough experience at the podium to deal with what she's facing right now, which is all of these multiple crises all at the same time. And they put her out there on the podium immediately. They didn't have to do that. They haven't even done an interview for the president in 125 days. Why does she have to go out and brief initially? She didn't even have an answer about the baby formula crisis the other day. And you have to have those things at the ready. Part of the problem, I believe, is that because of the COVID rules that are so strict around the president, the press secretary doesn't seem to me to have a lot of time with him. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you learn to speak in their voice and to anticipate problems or to anticipate what he might say in terms of a question that's coming to you at the briefing room is to spend more time with him. I don't think that's happening a lot. And I think that while it's a historic choice, that's great. But at some point, you have to have the ability to articulate something new. Now, in the communications department's defense, This is not a communications problem at the White House. This is a fact problem. It is a policy problem. And no policy problem in the history of the world has ever been solved by changing messaging. So they have to be willing to say, we have recognized that there are some problems. We fell short here and here. Therefore, what we are going to do is this and that and give her something to work with. Because right now they don't have that. Um, I had a friend at the White House who used to say, every day you get to eat a crap sandwich. You just get to choose if it's wheat or rye. Wow. <laughs> That's good. But again, it's a, it's, it can be a joyous experience as well as a difficult one and a challenging one. But what an amazing opportunity to represent the American people. I think that's quite incredible. I will say that I think she's done a great job of not being too partisan at the podium at, at this point. However, for example, you think about the protesters at the conservative justices' homes in anticipation of the Roe v. Wade decision. If I were her, I would go to the chief of staff and say, I'm going to pour gasoline on my head and threaten to light this match if the attorney general of the United States does not commit to enforcing the law tonight against these protesters because I don't have anything to say and I can't defend the president of the United States on this. And if something bad happens, it will come back to us. So let's do something right now. Let's be proactive. You can do that as press secretary. But to me, I just don't know if they have the access. Do you think that inflation 
is an Achilles heel for Democrats in the midterms or or are there so, so many things? Yeah, of course. So I was born in the early 70s when Jimmy Carter was president. And the only thing I've ever known about Jimmy Carter was how terrible his presidency was. And he was only 52 years old at the time. And President Biden is facing this at a time when the presidency takes all of your physical, emotional and mental energy every single day. And now you have Democrats like David Axelrod saying he's just too old. He's too old to run again. And that's got to be demoralizing, I'm sure. And nobody wants to hear that. And also, look, we need our president to be strong. We need him to be successful. And I want him to do that. I just wish that he would listen to me once in a while. (laughs) Does this pose, um, I don't want to say too big a challenge, but you know, if Republicans do take back the House and the and or the Senate, let's say, mm-hmm. um, are they going to be under a lot of pressure then to do something if things haven't already started to change at that point? You know, some people in the Democratic Party think that might be the best thing that happened to them is to lose the House because it could be a wake up call to Democrats that they've moved way too far left. However, that's not how they think, because the youth vote, which typically goes for Democrats, it's already starting to wear away. And it's not because the president isn't being moderate enough or centrist enough. It's because they believe he is not progressive enough. So if you start to lose even more of the youth vote or more of the progressive vote, he's, his poll numbers could be in the low 30s, whereas right now they're in the high 30s. And that's one of the concerns that they have to deal with at the White House. However, I would say this. Joe Biden has been in politics for decades. He knows how to do politics. He's just not doing it. And again, it's a decision-making experience. You have to be decisive. You have to lead. And you just don't see it. And I hate to say that. That's a hard thing for me to do. I actually try to always try to find something to look and say, wow, that's, that's good or that's positive. I do think at some point when they brought NATO together, that's good. But why did they get, get it to the point where Putin felt like he could invade in the first place? I I try, I really do try to find things that I think that they are doing well. If you, but even like with the with the border, every day you see these images, and I understand that the media, the rest of the media, doesn't really cover it. But the Democrats rely way too much on the media to carry their water for them, and it doesn't help them. That's how you get into the high thirties in your approval rating. There might be some movement um, on gun legislation. Yeah. Um, there was this bipartisan framework in the Senate. It's tricky, though, because even if that gets written into a bill and passed in the Senate, some Republicans are concerned about what happens to it in the House. Well, they should be, because guess who also is concerned about it in the House? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because what it might mean for young people if they have to have their juvenile records reviewed if they're under 21 and want to buy a gun. It's coming from the left as well. However, Joe Biden has somebody to thank for a bipartisan package, and it's not Chuck Schumer. It is John Cornyn, the senator from Texas. And the polling that we've seen so far is that even gun owners look at this bill, think it's pretty narrowly targeted and could say yes to to a lot of it. There's new polling on that. But the devil is in the details. Things can get um, delayed or stalled. But right now, to me, it looks like the Republicans are pretty much on board and holding together and waiting to see the full text of the bill. If... The bill passes the Senate only to then fail in the House. Could that be something else that hurts Democrats in the midterms? Maybe, although I think that the Democrats are not getting much of what they want in this legislation on gun rights. The Democrats are going to be sorely disappointed 
in this bill. But do they want the issue to fight about or do they want to start to solve the problem that they say they care about? And if it's the latter, then they should say, we'll take what we can get at this point and we'll keep working at it. But if they want to scuttle the whole thing, they could go to their districts in the fall and say, please vote for me. I did nothing. It's not very inspiring. One quick question on the January 6th committee. Um, Are Democrats hurting themselves by holding these hearings at a time when Americans seem to be thinking a lot more about prices and crime? I I have heard the Republicans say, where are the primetime hearings on inflation? And I I hear that. I understand a little bit of that's politics. Um, There's no getting away from talking about inflation because... Again, everybody feels it every second of every day. Every business owner, every mom, every dad, every teacher that's trying to go to work. I've read a story about a guy who had to quit his job in Tennessee because it cost him more to get to his job than he made at the job. So his best option was to resign. And that is quite heartbreaking. So I think the January 6th hearings are important. I don't know if they've told us anything yet that we didn't know before, but... They're, they can't escape talking about inflation. That's just, just not going to be possible. And so Republicans could complain that the January 6th committee is a distraction. But at the same time, the president of the United States has no plan to do anything about inflation that he has shared with us so far. So I don't know if that holds a lot of water. One last quick question about the gun bill mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask you. Four of the 10 Republican senators who support the bipartisan framework are also set to retire. Is that a new norm that's coming? We only get bipartisan compromise in Congress when lawmakers aren't running for re-election? That could be possible, except for once all of these folks retire, there's going to be a lot of people who are ambitious and want to be there for a long time. Uh, And nobody runs for office thinking, gosh, I can't wait to go to Washington and do nothing. Everybody wants to try to do something. One thing we have not seen yet is the National Rifle Association's response to this bill. I think they're either holding their fire or they're waiting for the details, just like other members of Congress. When we see that and we see the reaction from from that point of view, that will be interesting. But also remember, don't forget that the left, they are agitated because they're not getting most of what they want. But can they take a little bit of what they say they want? And that could be something that at least those Democrats in swing districts could go back and say, I was able to help get this across the finish line. Keep me in office. Don't know if it'll work, but it's something to run on. Fox's Dana Perino, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.